Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five, four, three, two, one. You are listening to the United States of Oklahoma with Josh Delaney. I am Delaney, podcasting on live from the corner of Maine and Robinson in downtown Oklahoma City, where I think it's uh, minus 20 outside on this, uh, what is it, October 29th? Yeah, pre-Halloween uh, here. And um, to my left is Andy Moore, founder and executive director of Let's Fix This a grassroots organization to get regular Oklahomans involved in politics. Andy, what's up, man? Hey, Josh. How are you? I am doing well, man. Uh, a little cranky because I uh, just finished off the coffee there about an hour ago, and nobody else made it. Right. So well, Someone's got to fill that pot up again. Yeah. <laughs> it's too cold to not have coffee. I'm not the office uh, coffee maker. I learned years ago not to make office coffee because somebody will inevitably complain. Mm-hmm. It's either too strong or too light or whatever. So uh, where can people find your group uh, online? Well, so for Let's Fix This, you can find us at letsfixthisok.org. Okay. Um, or on social media, we're Let's Fix This OK on all the all the platforms. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is this group about? Uh, I've read that you guys were involved in a, a, a recent petition. Uh, what's, uh, what's the aim here with the group? Sure. So, uh, and, and I'll make a distinction here. Let's Fix This is... We've been around for a few years and really kind of, you know, care about good governance and, and really about getting people involved, right, and helping break down political involvement, civic engagement in a way that makes it, like, simple and accessible and, dare I say, even fun sometimes mm. uh, for the regular public. Um, that's how I got involved. Over the last couple of years, though, you know, we've been taking a look at issues affecting our state and talking to other, other groups like the League of Women Voters and... <laughs> And we realized that the the area that was not being addressed by the legislature and, and any other groups is things to do with like how our democracy works or doesn't work in some cases. And and so that led to uh, to what happened this week, where we formed a new organization called People, not Politicians, um, and filed a ballot a ballot measure to create an independent redistricting commission. No, the end goal of this is to end gerrymandering in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Now, is this some sort of a subversive way just to get more Democrats in office? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> you know, o- Oklahoma is, uh, has 47% <laughs> of our electorate is, is registered Republicans. I'm, I'm a registered independent myself. I was, I was a Republican for 10 years or so, and then I was a Democrat for about eight. And a few years ago, I kind of said to heck with both parties. Mm. I don't really like the way that this two-party structure is going myself mm-hmm. and didn't really close in line with either side. Uh, so this this initiative is not about trying to get more of anybody in office. It has actually nothing to do with getting people in office at all. It has to do with um, changing the system, where right now politicians get to draw their own districts. They get to essentially pick their own voters, which is, I don't know, distinctly not cool. Yeah. Uh, and so we are 
Um, we believe that, that we should have an independent commission made up of, of regular citizens like you and I that are um, given the data and, and um, given the ability to draw those districts um, in a way that is fair and open and transparent. Mm-hmm. So there was a state rep uh, today uh, in the Oklahoman uh, who referred to this effort as a redistricting coup, uh, not an attempt at uh, fair maps. Um, so not uh, not necessarily praise for what your group is doing there. Are you guys orchestrating a coup, a redistricting coup? <laughs> this, is, this is a very peaceful coup, I guess. Um, <laughs> I you know, and I'll be honest. Like I think the idea of using the term coup to describe a constitutional process of citizens involved in their government is perhaps a bit inflammatory or a bridge too far. Um, we are trying to shake things up a bit and. Um, but in a way that that benefits the public, not to overthrow the government. Yeah. And what do you make of it? <laughs> what do you? You guys aren't going to wear uh, what was that? Those anonymous masks. Uh, you know the mask with the movie. What is that? Oh, uh, the uh, V is Vendetta. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That thing. Yeah. You definitely guys are not. doing no, that. I'm, I'm anti-mask. <laughs> and uh, what do you make about? Was it? Jeez. Uh, uh, was it McCall who said uh, it's a solution in search of a problem? in that Oklahoma has not had problems with uh, or successful lawsuits over its redistricting process. <laughs> well, I don't... So all's well in Oklahoma, and I you're out here... Uh, I don't think that, a, that an incumbent politician saying that everything is fine is a good vote of confidence. <laughs> Anyone who looks at the maps, I think, Josh, would and sees the shapes of some of our districts. Uh, you know, House District 41 that stretches from Yukon almost to Kansas. It goes up... And then goes right around Enid, does not include Enid, goes around <laughs> Senate District 30, which is where I live. Um, people have compared it to a microscope. Ah. It includes both Lake Hefner and part of Lake Overholzer, and all the way back over to Shepherd Mall, which is three <laughs> very different parts of town. Um, and, you know, I'll be honest, the, the only people that are opposed to our measure are the people who benefit from the status quo, people yeah. that benefit from the way things are being drawn now. And uh, and I think that is as good of a reason to, to change it to a way that is more more open and transparent than, than anything. Well, how do you, let's say this, this moves forward, how do you prevent uh, the solution from then becoming another problem and another bureaucratic uh, political process? Sure. Well, and I think that's a, a great question. I, all of us want a government that is maybe smaller or right-sized or whatever phrase you want to say, this deals with how our government works, like how the legislature is elected, how we are represented. And I think that is a process that we have to be very intentional about. And we've been very intentional about um, looking at, you know, looking at other states that have similar similar commissions, talking to, um, you know, experts around the country about how to do this right. Because I don't want to I don't want to do this again. I'm not someone who thinks that Oklahoma should be amending our constitution every time we turn around, and it feels like we do. Um, but this is one of those issues that like should be in the constitution, right? Like, you know, there's, uh, and so I think the way that we do it right is by putting out a process that is very detailed, which is what we've done. Our our full policies, I think, about 14 pages long. We didn't, we really were intentional about that. We saw how. The other side happens, right? So medical marijuana put out a pretty vague policy, and the legislatures had to come back and make a lot of rules to help kind of craft that legislation. And we want this to be, you know, a kind of a turnkey situation where it it spells out, and everyone can go and read it uh, on their own and see exactly what's going to happen and and the dates by which that's supposed to happen each year. 
redistricting only happens once every 10 years, it behooves us to get it right. So there's also been uh, uh, a charge against the movement that it's funded by out-of-state liberals. Is uh, is George Soros your uh, your puppet master? <laughs> so, someone texted me that today as well. Uh, <laughs> no, I've, I'm not convinced that Soros is an actual person. I've, I realize I've never seen a photo of him anywhere. He may just be this uh, name. I don't. Um, that sounds kind of nice. So I'd love to have some big out-of-state money. We this um, thus far, this has been an entirely grassroots effort that we, you know, we are actively trying to to raise money from everyday Oklahomans. My mom donated yesterday after we launched, and um, you know, and uh, I, and as as well as um, a few dozen other Oklahomans, um, pretty quick, which was a I think a good sign. Um, I will. I mean, as the as the executive director and the campaign manager, I'm going to leave no stone unturned. Um, I don't. I don't really want money from either party involved, right? That kind of defeats the whole purpose. But I do think that I know that there are foundations out there that care about good governance in the same way that I do, and uh, I would love to have those conversations. But most importantly, I think it's this is about. Oklahomans for Oklahomans and by Oklahomans, and I think that's that's where this starts, and that's where it's going to end. Well, how many uh, signatures do you need? How many do you have? And what's the uh, deadline? Yeah, so we will need uh, 178,000 signatures. This is a, a constitutional amendment. Uh, signature collection won't start until until the Secretary of State says we can start. Okay. So it'll be a few weeks, maybe a few months, depending on if we receive any any legal challenges. Um, we're ready to go. I mean, right now we'll we'll get it out there, but um, we can't we can't officially start. It is exciting though. I, I've had a lot of folks call, you know, write in, tweet about it. Like, oh, where can I sign? Like, they're ready on day one to sign. I was like, mm-hmm. man, we just launched like four hours ago. <laughs> Hang on, we gotta go through some uh, some hoops first. Yeah. Does that mean you guys are going to be standing outside of like uh, Walmart and raising canes? Mm-hmm. Badgering yeah. us with uh, yeah, those fried, clipboards. Yeah, fried chicken restaurants okay. in particular, I think, are a good place to start. I uh, One of the uh, few perks of journalism is uh, I can just tell people, you know, I can't sign it. You know, I've got to be uh, an objective reporter. You know, well, I can't put my name on that. That's um, – I, I appreciate that perspective. And I, I think uh, Ben Felder, who's one of your colleagues here, mm-hmm. and Trey Savage from Nondoc had a – they did a podcast about this themselves, mm. of whether or not journalists should vote or sign petitions and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of different perspectives. Yeah, um, I always like to make the signature collectors really explain it to me, even if I know what it's about. I mean, I was approached by folks at Medicaid expansion a number of times, and I mm. let each of them do it because if you're volunteering for a campaign and you, uh, you know, are out there in the heat or the cold with the clipboard. Um, you care and mm-hmm. i want them to know that someone cares enough to listen to them yeah well what uh, what got you into politics uh, you know just an old uh crossfire fan <laughs> nerd growing up uh, what the hell is that the one where the guy wears the the bow tie i don't that um, was that was tucker carlson back in the day oh, okay with the bow tie right that's how long uh i've been watching political <laughs> debates and uh the mclaughlin group was a great one uh they used to, uh, was that on pbs or something like that well you know it's it typical shows you know where people yell at each other for a little bit sure i only know tucker carlson the bow tie from a john stewart interview that i saw um <laughs> No, I, I was not ever really political at all. Um, I, my background's in mental health. I'm a licensed professional counselor, and I did did individual and family therapy for a long time, and then uh, more recently worked in healthcare and and tried to uh, 
ran a program that provides services to people with HIV here in mm. Oklahoma, the largest program in the state. And it was, I mean, super rewarding work. Uh, and about three years ago, uh, we, you know, we had a $1.3 billion budget shortfall at the state with a couple of revenue failures. And I didn't know what a revenue failure meant, but I knew a state shouldn't <laughs> have one, much less two. Yeah. And so started paying attention then and, and realized that almost, you know, very few Oklahomans are really involved in that leaves a big vacuum of of information right that means that that our state legislators are operating with the only th- stuff they read on the internet or what lobbyists tell them i was like oh well shoot we should definitely go up there and fill that void and help them like r- remind them that there's four million oklahomans out here who care who you know need roads and bridges and healthcare and schools and we need things to work and we desperately want our state to be really great. Um, it's going to take us to stand up. So yeah. that's how I got involved. Uh, what makes Oklahoma unique uh, or what, what marks it as a, as a state uh, politically? Um, you know, we've got a, a bit of an odd history. Um, a lot of folks will say that we were started by socialists. I have not gone back to read those stories yet, but I, I do know that Oklahoma has a bit of a of a populist streak where Oklahomans are tend to be somewhat skeptical of government and with good reason, right? Um, it has not always been in our favor, particularly for uh, our brothers and sisters that are, have a background that are native communities. They've definitely not uh, not been treated great by uh, government historically, and so I think it it makes a lot of sense that we want to trust and verify what's going to happen and. And I think we see that play out where we have uh, we have the ability as 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 citizens to petition the government to put an issue on the ballot because we see it fit. And you know, I think over the last few years we've seen this where the people have wanted laws passed and they've approached the legislature. The process has gone through, and the legis- legislature has said no, and the people went back to the ballot and got it done. So we saw it with criminal justice reform, we saw it with medical marijuana, um, you know, Medicaid expansion, we haven't voted yet, but they just turned in 313,000 some odd signatures, and that seems like a, a pretty positive sign for them, and I think it would be the same thing with us, that, that this is something that we know the legislature isn't going to do, and so we the people realize that we have a role in this process as well, and we need to step up and use it. Is there really a, a uh, urban-rural uh, divide in the politics? Sure. Yeah, most definitely. And I, if you again, if you look at the maps of where our districts are now and and how they kind of spiderweb out from the metro areas, I think we see that um, everybody wants to get along, right? I mean, you know, people that live in the urban core and complain about the streetcar or whatever, th- their issues are the same as people who live in rural Oklahoma who hospitals are closing and kids, you know, um, have too many students in their classrooms. I think we recognize we're all Oklahomans, and there's there's probably more that, that bonds us than divides us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear uh, when I'm out and about, which is code for being at a bar, uh, <laughs> uh, it's some fascinating conversations. <clears throat> I've, I've been fortunate enough to be all over the state re- reporting on uh, different things, and uh, you know, the rural areas, I've run into your kind of your classic, uh, you know, Fox News watching folks. And then uh, when I'm here downtown or midtown and uh, having a having a good night, it's uh, typically your young progressives. And um, 
people always think they're in safe company is what I've noticed wherever I'm at. <laughs> right. Everyone's like them. Everyone's like them. And, uh, but it's, it's been some funny conversations uh, among young people here where they will start um, talking about more conservative views, but they're the ones that are whispering them. They're like, okay, you know, I just, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I love everybody, but, you know, I really feel like this. And uh, it just depends on where you're at. I mean, some people are loud about it. Some people are quiet about it. But that's uh, that's been kind of a funny thing for me to experience out here. Where, where, where do people meet and kind of get along or, or agree at anyway? With politics or yeah. where physically do we get together? Uh, with politics. Um, well, I think we want, you know, common sense policies. We want a government that works for us. I think some things have like that smell check, right? Like if it just smells sour. So issues that um, where there's a clear conflict of interest, right? And, and this is one of those issues where politicians are allowed to draw their own districts. When you just tell someone that, even if they know nothing else about the issue, they almost always kind of are taken aback and say, well, that's not right. Like, that's exactly. Mm-hmm. That's it. Doesn't it just doesn't feel right? Doesn't seem right. And things that may have made sense a hundred years ago don't necessarily make sense now. And this is one of those things. I think other issues. You know, we see we see year after year where the the ethics commission makes recommendations for ethics rules for legislators, and in response, the legislature just cuts their budget. Mm-hmm. And like, if if people just pay attention a little bit, that's a very apparent like. Um, knock on the ethics commission, and if you if you're knocking the ethics commission, like isn't that's like the definition of being unethical, right? If you're like <laughs> opposed to ethics, that's not not yeah. the, the position of uh, that you want to be on. And so, I think those kinds of things, in addition to the stuff that does cut across, right? Like everyone wants education that works for them and their families. We want to see economic growth. We, you know, we'd love to see our our wages go up. Um, we want to see nice parks we want to you know have a a hope for the future and in in oklahoma because we live and die by the boom and bust of the energy industry and we're trying to find ways to help maybe stabilize our economy and and to find things that that help us get to that hopeful future that we've we've all been dreaming of Mm. are we a dysfunctional state politically uh i mean it seems to function okay um no one's like throwing shoes or anything up there um it doesn't mean there's not room for improvement right and Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that's uh, kind of interesting about oklahoma's history is you know for the first hundred years democrats ruled the earth right like they and i was looking back at um some scores uh, of the partisanship of districts as a on the state as a whole and like back in 1980 1990 the districts were skewed way democratic right well, then about 20 years ago, um, trends started to shift, and now Republicans are in charge, and so now they have a supermajority, and we're seeing the same problems on the other side. And mm. When you look back at, at this issue of redistricting, you see that when Democrats were in charge, Republicans wanted to institute uh, a fairer process or institute mm-hmm. a commission. And now that it's switched and Republicans are in charge, Democrats want to put something in, in charge. And then there's me, an independent, on the outside saying, well, clearly neither party's going to give on this deal, and, mm-hmm. and it's not going to happen from inside the building. It's got to come from out here from the people. Yeah. 
Well, what could we do other than uh, voting? I think even with that, over the years, people have just gotten frustrated. Like, no, does it really matter? Especially with the re- with the uh, gerrymandering. It's mm-hmm. like you think of uh, you know your good uh, you good Republicans out there in California. You know, they're like, what's the point in voting in this state right, <laughs> anymore? Right. Well, and that's you know, Republicans in Oklahoma are opposed to this the same way the Democrats in Illinois are opposed to this idea because they would lose power. Right? Yeah. This isn't a it's not a partisan issue; it's a power issue. Mm-hmm. Whichever party's in power doesn't want to give it up, and I mean, no one gives up their power willingly. And we've got a peaceful way to to take that power back. I think. Um, well, I lost my train of thought there. Well, no, but uh, taking the power back, it reminded me of a Rage Against the Machine song. <laughs> so that's good. You, uh, you've you also done some work on uh, transparency in government. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what uh, What is your take on that? I'm interested in it as a reporter. Uh, I've got my own thoughts on that in, in Oklahoma as far as what I've experienced. But uh, how transparent is government out here in, in Oklahoma? Not very. So, yeah, I, another hat that I wear is I'm the executive director of Freedom of Information Oklahoma, which is the, the group that advocates and supports um, government transparency. So Open Records Act, Open Meeting Act, that kind of thing. Uh, and we're not great. Um, I think there's a, a general, despite our general distrust of government, it seems like the government might be a little distrusting of the public as well. Mm. Uh, I mean, a, a terrific example is that the legislature, when they wrote the Open Records and Open Meeting Act, they exempted themselves <laughs> as the only – all state agencies, even the governor's office, has to follow uh, Open Records, Open Meeting, but not the legislature. Um, and so – Makes sense. That's on my – you know, that's on my to-do list down the road of, like, <laughs> we should probably fix that as well. Um, and so and that's a, I mean, a, a big issue with this, this proposal, this um, ballot initiative – that I'm really excited about is that it it makes the whole process open and transparent. So, you know, the current system is legislators draw the districts however they want. They go in the back room, they pay whomever they want for mm-hmm. consultants to come in and they can, you know, throw whatever they can level on your layer on your Facebook data and whatever else they want, draw the districts and so long as the governor signs it, that's the law. Nothing we can do about it. Well, this new process, this independent commission that we're proposing would be totally subject to the Open Records Act, Open Meeting Act. All the work that they conduct would be out in the open. All the data would be made public. All the maps would be made public in multiple formats so that you're not, you know, some states would like put out the maps and it's just a series of coordinates. Well, that's not a map anyone can use. And so (laughs) this requires the commission to put it out. And it even requires a way for the public to submit maps on their own. So if you, Josh, wanted to download the data drop it into some kind of uh, uh, free software system to draw maps and then you could send it up to the to the commission and maybe you draw the best map out there and they pick yours that's mm-hmm. um, that's a really open democratic transparent process and that's uh, that's a big deal let me draw my map in the shape of a beer stein there you go so uh, circle right around uh, I don't know whatever town <laughs> uh, out in uh, California they had uh, they have what's called the Brown Act. And as reporters, we were constantly writing stories about Brown Act violations, you know, open meeting violations, you know, uh, 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 groups, it, it, a lot of times even unaware yeah. uh, of, of having what constituted a meeting that was not in public, that was not public business when it should have been. 
Is there any, do the laws out here have any teeth in them like that? Because I don't read a lot of stories about meeting violations out here. Oh, yeah. Well, they happen all the time. Um, okay. I mean, most recently, I guess the, the most notable example I can give is um, just from a couple of weeks ago, the OU Board of Regents held a, a meeting and appointed a new chairperson to the board, right? I need and, to read our paper more often, apparently. <laughs> and, well, they, um, this is, yeah, this is just the end of last week. And the the meeting was, uh, happened in accordance to the law. There, there was an agenda posted. Um, and there was one member of the public who attended, an actual a reporter from a, another publication. And Damn it. they, the issue was that nowhere on the agenda did it say they were going to consider appointed a chairperson or, or any action of that sort. And so because this person happened to be there and he happened to be a reporter, he could he saw it all kind of unfold and said this is a very <laughs> awkward meeting and it's his reporting, you know, he kind of says like it was a pretty halting discussion. It was clear that maybe the regents were stumbling along and, and it's not the first time the regents have stumbled. Their their whole process of uh, of hiring presidents for OU last year um, has been a bit of a stumble, and and I I think what you said is is correct. It often these you know public entities, these boards and commissions, and, and even state agencies get into trouble because they haven't taken time to fully understand the law or ask someone who does. And they, I don't think that they necessarily mean to be opaque or to violate the law, but it happens. Yeah, um, and that's one of the reasons we exist is to offer some counsel there and, and try to help them out. Yeah, is there? Uh I guess I need to brush up on my uh, uh, law here, but uh, is there a law that says, uh, well, if I put in an information request to a government office, uh, what, what's what, what's the how many days do they have before they have to respond to me? Well, I, our law doesn't doesn't specify. God, I knew it. Day. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the other the the calls I get most most often are from you know. Either, either researchers or citizens that have made a request to some kind of government body and they've just been waiting for yeah. a year or two years um, for that simple request, right? Even mm-hmm. if it's something small. The other uh, call that I get a lot is from just citizens who like got arrested or had a accident or something and they're trying to get a copy of their own darn police record mm-hmm. and the you know the police chief or the sheriff in their county is refusing to give it to him and doesn't cite a reason and unfortunately the only way to enforce that is to go to the courts right Mm -hmm. either threaten legal action ideally that works sometimes you have to actually follow through with legal action and that's an expense that most folks aren't you're not going to spend thousands of dollars to get a piece of paper that that the sheriff could provide Mm -hmm. you know right away yeah, it's, uh, I, know, I know, uh, out in California, I think it was 10 days where people had to at least give you a response when that response could be, Hey, we need more time mm-hmm. or we're working on it or here's your stuff. I thought Oklahoma would be better at that because of the conservativeness of the state. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, if, if we're, uh, if we want to hold the government accountable, then that would mean necessarily being open with records. And it is worse here than it was in California. I had an easier time out there getting stuff. Yeah, I, well, I think there's two things there. I mean, one, I think the public would like that to be the case, but the public is not who wrote that bill. Um, and so when it sometimes when you leave um, 
this is a weird thing to say, but sometimes when you leave the lawmaking to lawmakers, you don't always get what you want. And I, I'm, you know, I don't remember when they passed it here. I'm sure it was well intentioned, and they probably thought this is probably hailed it as a great step in the uh, the battle for more transparency, and it was. Um, but it definitely could be better. And I think that's something I would certainly encourage our lawmakers to look at: is like how do we enhance these these laws and these rules? in a way that makes sense, um, mm-hmm. that isn't unduly burdensome to public bodies, but also one that facilitates transparency and, and the the action of our government to help citizens live their lives. Yeah, there, there have been some agencies here uh, that have gotten me everything that I've asked for. They've done it in a pretty timely manner. There's one large institution in this state that has not responded to me in almost a year and a half on a request. Now, this is a a story that's kind of an evergreen. I could write it any time I want, but I I need information from a certain time period. And uh, so I'm not not hounding them uh, like I would in other instances, but it's... um, it's a little bit shocking, you know, that people can be so disregardful or disregarding. And I always think if they're treating uh, a media person like that, then how are they treating regular citizens that just want access yeah. to information? Yeah, totally. And I feel like at the end of last year, at the end of 2018, there were some stories where someone had requested a list of all the unfulfilled requests mm. that were still out there. And I thought <laughs> that's a good idea to really – and I'm sure to the government agency they were, you know – rolled their eyes and of like, well, this is just taking time away from us fulfilling those. And it's like, well, right. let's see the list and we'll see if you really were working on those or not. So mm-hmm. and I get that, you know, no one really wants like those, um, those requests that are like, we want a copy of every email from 1999 through today. Right. Like, no, that's not a, that's an unreasonable request. But yeah. I think for ones that are most requests are specific and there's reasons that that they're fulfilling them uh, and reasons they're not. And mm-hmm. I, they just need to. One of the tricks of journalism is to put in a um, FOIA request for FOIA, FOIA requests. Mm-hmm. So you ask the, uh, you ask the city hall, um, I want, you know, all, all the requests that other media are making. So you can find out what stories right. they're working on. It's uh, well, and you know, at the last or earlier this year, I attended the, the national, um, Freedom of Information Coalition kind of annual conference, right? So it's like all the states, um, FOI groups, and everyone shared kind of best practices from their states and the the places they're doing it well, Uh, New Mexico being one of the states. You can go online and you can see all the previous requests because they are public record. Mm -hmm. So you could go find all the previous requests and the data that was provided. Well, that's a huge benefit because that way the state's not having to, to like fulfill a similar request twice, right? Mm-hmm. Like if if your colleague or your competitor asked for it last week, well, then you can just download the data already and mm. why burden the agency with having to go fulfill it again? And That's a great idea. It was, I was like, well, that makes a ton of sense, right? Like we don't, yeah. don't want to like create documents and then just recreate them for the next guy. Like let's just put them all out there and let mm-hmm. everyone look at it and, and see it. Is uh, – anything in the law that says out here that uh, if a person requests the information uh, electronically, digitally, or on a CD, um, that the the uh, agencies have, out here have to fulfill that. I have yeah. a specific reason for asking that, because uh, 
one group out in California gave me like a thousand pages and I'm like, really, bro, just put it on the CD. I know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, and, and it costs they, 10 cents a page. Say, I they think. charge you for it too. That's the, that's the, <laughs> the hook there. Yeah, yeah. So if it exists in electronic form, they're supposed to be able to provide it in electronic form. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, I believe there's a lawsuit going on in Custer County right now where a researcher from uh, Marquette University, which I think is in Wisconsin or somewhere up there, um, he was doing a request about, uh, uh, he's doing a research paper about open records issues and requested information from this county and and the the sheriff refused to give it to him and, and was requiring him to come here, you know, to fly in Oklahoma City, then drive to Custer County <laughs> just to request like a 30 page. He's like, man, just just email me the PDF. Like it's not right. That. And so, and so again, it, I mean, it's it required some legal action so that um, uh, he had to get an attorney and yeah. like that's, it's costing the County money that they don't need to waste on that kind right. of thing. They could have just given him the document. It's going to have to eventually. Yeah. Why stall? It's, it's, it's just a funny thing. It's public information. It's taxpayer, our taxpayer dollars at work. And frankly, it's not that hard. Right. To get the information. Right. And uh, the amount of stalls I've seen is uh, stunning. Uh, what kinds of uh, public information do people have access to, regular citizens, you know, if they uh, go in the courthouse or something and request stuff? Sure. Well, uh, probably a lot more than any of us realize. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, there's um, stuff with the state courts is online. The state, if people know about OSCN.net, there's all kinds of you know, court records on there. Um you can get stuff from the county assessor's website. You can find out, you know, stuff about uh, property values and and all that. Um, there's really anything that anything that has to do with public dollars is generally available, right? It's all mm-hmm. if it's paid for with taxpayer dollars uh, in full or in part. It's some aspect of that is generally available. Things that aren't available, of course, is private individuals' medical records, um, personnel files. Uh, stuff like that that would be considered private information, but there's a lot out there. Again, if you make a request, you need to have a very kind of specific request, and we're actually just about to update our website with kind of the the forms and the best practices for how to submit a FOIA request. Okay, great. Uh, and that could be found on... So that's on foioklahoma.org. Okay. Yeah, Freedom of Information, Oklahoma. Well, back to uh, the redistricting thing here. Where's... Uh, um, Where's the money going to come from to fight what you guys are doing? Who's, uh, you know, I know certain politicians aren't going to like it. Clearly, they don't. But uh, what, what's uh, who's, who's the scrum going to be with as far as the the money and things? Sure, um, that's a good question. We we try to anticipate that before we file, um, and we're not sure yet. We haven't. We'll see if we get a challenge. I expect we will, but who knows? Maybe not. Um, today, aside from the some folks in the legislature, right? Or there's someone from the state chamber that was bickering with us on Twitter, um, which is fine. <laughs> and, and really, he was um, we're friends, and he was trying to hash out, like, just a policy perspective. Is He has a different perspective, which is fine. We can disagree. Um, obviously, I think this is the right thing to do. Otherwise, we wouldn't have mm-hmm. filed it. Um, there, nationally, the, um, the Republican Party, I believe, is fighting this in a number of states. Um, I'm sure that if they're involved, and there's probably some national Democrats involved too, I would love for all of them to leave us alone. Mm. You know, Oklahoma tends to be ignored as a flyover state, and yeah. maybe this is a good example of that. Um, so we'll see. I, again, this is, I mean, this is an issue for Oklahomans and by Oklahomans, and 
Um, if we're going to try to raise the money in state, then maybe they will too. We'll mm-hmm. see. Um, it's fine. I mean, I would hope that everyone would get on board with it and uh, and let it go through. But it seems like there's always someone that, that contests every ballot initiative just because they don't like the idea of the process. And, mm-hmm. and we'll be ready for that if it happens. Yeah. All right. So is politics still uh, – well, how are the young people doing out there? Their attitude shifting about it at all? Or are they getting more involved? I know it tends to be an older person's game as far as actually voting and, sure. and uh, yeah. financing things. And right. Well, and it's funny, you know, like if I, I read the other day that millennials comprise the largest voting block now. So those, en- those people. Enough enough boomers have, have passed on mm-hmm. across the golden rainbow that there's <laughs> that, that that group is is shrinking in size and I was like, well, but millennials also turn out at the lowest rates, right? So I think in Oklahoma, that early range, like the 18 to 25, only turned out at like 8% um, to vote last time. And that's exceedingly low. Um, But if millennials turned out like in force, even at rates comparable to other age groups, they could shift policy in this country literally in overnight, right? In Mm -hmm. in one, one election. And so we'll see what happens. It seems like the younger folks are starting to tune in a little bit more. Um, we did see higher turnout among people in their 20s and 30s at the last election than we have in the past. Um, and so so we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. Andy Moore with Let's Fix This. And where again can we find you online? Sure. So um, let's start with peoplenotpoliticians.org. Um, that has to do with our petition. But if you have other questions or information about Let's Fix This, that's letsfixthisok.org. And then Freedom of Information Oklahoma is foioklahoma.org. All right. And don't be writing any fake signatures on that petition. Not not a one. Don't I be no do dead it. people on that uh, thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, good meeting you, man. Great stuff. All right. Thanks, Josh. All righty. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode of the United States of Oklahoma, please subscribe on your favorite podcast publishing platform, Triple P, man, and share with your friends. And if you want to keep up with the latest news in Oklahoma, pick up a digital subscription at Oklahoman.com, where you will get unparalleled coverage of Sooner State politics, sports, breaking news, business, crime and courts, food, music, religion, and a whole lot more, including some of the best photojournalism around. All for $9.99 a month.